Okay, in John chapter 15, we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 16. And let's start by reading uh, verses 12 through 14 here. So John chapter 15, uh, we pick up. And, and remember, we just, Jesus has been, literally, it's, it's that final evening. He's with his disciples, and he's been walking them through what's going to happen. And then he's been preparing them for what's going to happen after he goes. So he's like, I'm leaving. You're not coming with me. You're going to stay. This is what I'm going to do. This is uh, what's going to happen. And then last week, Ken did a phenomenal job unpacking what it looks like uh, to, to literally abide in him and that calling and, and how special that is and the fruit out of that. And so we looked at that and then we pick up in John chapter 15, verse 12. It says, Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Okay, now, once again, it's still the same evening, and he reiterates the command to these guys. He, he reiterates the command, you need to love each other. And so you can just kind of imagine they're getting caught up in the moment in everything that he said. And it's, and it's like, you know, sometimes with your kids, you're like, eye contact, look at me. And Jesus goes, listen, I don't want you to miss this. You need to love each other. See, Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew that one of them was about to, to literally turn his back and deny him three times. He knew that that was going to cause tension, right? Division in his group. He knew that this group uh, of men that he had hand-selected, that he had brought together, would not normally be friends. They come from different backgrounds, political backgrounds, uh, literally just life and, 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 and wealth and all of that. So they're not the ones that would be coming into church together who's just hang out all weekend and, and hung out all weekend and they come in here and they're like, let's all sit together. No, they're together because Jesus brought them together. And he says, listen, you guys need to love each other because everything that the enemy is going to try and do is going to try to rip you apart and divide you. And if he can do that, he's going to ultimately wreck the name of Jesus. And so it's not surprising that once again, he reiterates that command to love each other and he reaffirms how it's the defining characteristic of his followers. Jesus commands us to love each other as how as he has loved us. Now, how is that demonstrated? Well, we, we see in 1 John 3, 16, he says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. It's through sacrifice. He's called us to, to love each other in a sacrificial way. You know, as I was thinking about this, um, and I had a lot of time to think about it. I was, I was actually at a conference down south, and, uh, and, and as I was down there, I was having major phone issues, so I, I, I go into this Verizon store, and I'm sitting there, and they're like, hey, this is going to be a while. And uh, now when they say that, you're like, it's going to be a while. And so I, I saw a desk, and I'm like, hey, can I just have that desk for however long I'm here? Can I just work from here? And they're like, go for it. So they gave me a desk. So I was just sitting there processing through... Uh, just this, this, this part of scripture, this, this sacrificial love that he calls us as Jesus followers to love each other with. And, and I just started, I, as you're sitting in a public place, and don't pretend you don't, you start to hear other conversations, right? 
It's okay, you can respond. Yeah, yeah, I do. And, and it's not like you're trying to be nosy. I mean, maybe you are, but, but you just hear. Some people are loud. To me, if you're really loud about your conversation, that's an invitation into your conversation. But, and, and, and I hear different people talking in the store. And, and, and as I'm preparing for this, one, one of the things I hear people talking about is how one of the mayors in one of the large cities was literally telling their people to, to when they see an incident happening, a crime being committed, somebody uh, having something stolen from them or that, stop taking your phones and posting and sharing it and do something productive, like call for help or help. And so I was listening to, to a couple of people talk about that. And then in, in this other area of the store, I'm hearing this other uh, guy who's, uh, he and his wife were there with their, I believe it was their daughter. And she, I think, had just graduated college and was like, like starting her own phone plan, which is like, woohoo. And they were transitioning her off their account, which is also for parents, woohoo. And she was going through that process. And he was telling his daughter about uh, this new job that he had. And he was describing how there's been some crime and, and theft at their office complex and how they were told to not worry about it and just focus on uh, protecting themselves. And if they see something, don't try and do anything. You just think of yourself. And I was just hearing that over and over again, how you just think of yourself. Think of yourself. Think about yourself. And I was like, man, we have become such a non-sacrificial culture. Like just as a whole, right? Like, like what used to kind of mark us is like, man, like, like this badge of honor, we're going to sacrifice. Like we don't, we don't do that anymore, right? In, in culture, we'll only sacrifice if what? We can see how in some way we can benefit from it. Right? And, 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 and everything evolves around what? Ultimately, around, around me. And, 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 and listen, this isn't just like a, oh, they don't know Jesus. That's their problem. No, this is us. This is our culture. This is, this is happening in the church. This is Jesus' followers treating each other like this, looking at each other in this way. And Jesus says, that's not how you're called to love each other. You are called to love each other in a sacrificial way, the ultimate act of friendship. And as Jesus followers, we should all be friends. Um, he says, the ultimate act is to give up your life for another brother or sister. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I read that, I go, that's impossible. Right? Like, when I look at who would I actually, and you don't have to think about this. It may not be healthy for you. But who would you actually give your life up for? And if I'm being honest, I'm like, my wife, my three boys. Right? That's like, now maybe you, I don't know, someone could creep into that list. But I mean, that's like, that's who I think about. But that's not like, like, and so I go, man, you're, you're calling me like literally Jesus to live my life the way and, and to love other Jesus followers like you've loved me and it's going to be sacrificial and, 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 and how in the world, how in the world do I measure up to your standard? That's ridiculous. It's impossible. He says, I know. <laughs> he says, the only way you're going to love like I love is through me empowering you to love like that. See, only those who abide in him have the capacity to love as he loved because as Romans 5.5 tells us, Romans 5.5, it says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. 
So he's poured his love into our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, He has equipped, and as you abide, he enables us to love in that way, okay? And and that's why Paul, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9, says, now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. You don't need another, you don't need another letter on this. You've been taught by God that you are to love each other like this. And so the love that if you're a Jesus follower in this room or watching online, the love that we're to have towards each other, it should mark the reality that we are a Jesus follower. It should demonstrate it. And it it should be marked by a selfless desire to meet, not only meet one another's needs, but to actually put someone else's needs ahead of your own. That's tough. And that is very countercultural. To where it may cost you something. He says, this is the greatest kind of love. Guys, our, our love as Jesus followers, is going to be one of the most powerful testimonies, one of the most powerful proofs of the reality that God is real, if we can love like this. For those that don't know God, this is huge for us. Uh, in fact, earlier he had said in John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So this, is, this has the potential to be a huge testimony to people that want nothing to do with God, people that are far from God. In fact, maybe you're in this room or you're watching online and you've wanted nothing to do with God and you're simply here because you've seen a love in someone's life and you go, that's different than what I know. What is that? What is that about? So the question for us is, are we laying down our lives for other Jesus followers? Are we going without something for the good of someone else? And then he, and then he said in, in John uh, 15, 14, he said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Um, have you ever heard uh, kids play and, and one, one in a group usually will say, if you don't do this, you're not my friend anymore. If you don't do this, you're not my friend anymore. And if it's your son or daughter they're talking to, it's fun to watch your kid. How are they going to respond? Are they going to say, well, I don't like you anyway? Or are they going to just comply, right? Or maybe your kid's the one saying that. Well, you wonder where they got it. They got it from Jesus, okay? So there it is. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. In other words, what he's saying is, be who you say you are. That's what my friend is. My friend is someone who is who they say they are. And when you talk about the friendships that you have, that you're looking for, what are you hoping they are? Man, you're hoping they are who they say they are, right? You're hoping that they model the things that they say they're going to model, that they're going to be there just as they say they are and all of those things. Uh, you guys, when you think about just sin, sin at its core, at its nature is what? It's rebellion against God. Okay, it's saying, I know what to do here. I know what your will is for me, but I don't want to do it. And so I'm not going to do it. So in that moment, I'm choosing to rebel against him. Now, rebellion does not work in a friendship, does it? 
right? Like if you're dating someone, I dare you to, to, to literally say, hey, I love you. I love where this is going, but I'm going to rebel against you and just see how that works out. So you're, you're, any friendship that you have, you're, you're, whatever relationship it is, it doesn't work to say, I'm here for you. I'm all in. I, I, I love you, but I'm also going to actively work against you. I'm, I'm, I know you're saying to do this and I, and, I, and I respect you as a friend, but I'm just, I don't want anything to do with you as well. They're just like, is, well, that's confusing. That's dysfunctional. And yet that's how a lot of us are when it comes to friendship with God. And I'm gonna be unpacking this even more. But you guys, we can't, we can't submit to God and say we're submitted to him while at the same time we're rebelling against him. They just can't go together. And there's a situation in James chapter four where he addresses this with these uh, Christians. And in James chapter four, verses one through four, it says this, and this is crazy to me how closely it connects to how I'm seeing uh, many people live. It says this, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Boy, we've been feeling that. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You desire so badly to get what you don't have that you're willing to ultimately get to the place to kill for it. Now, now, maybe you don't literally kill someone, but man, there's a wake of destruction in your path to get what you believe you should have. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You see what other people have. You see their life, their situation, and you can't have that, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. In other words, you don't think you need God. So why ask him? I've got this. I'm I'm gifted. I've got talent. I'm able to pull this off, and so I'm not going to go to him. He says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. He says, you ask and you don't get because your desires are for you. You're approaching God for how he can benefit you. And every request that you offer up to God is about you. Then in verse four, he says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. This word friend. You guys, when we think about salvation or conversion, that takes place when we who were, as Romans 6, 17 says, we were slaves to sin, and then we turned to obedience. Jesus says, that's who my family is. And in the book of Mark, he he says, my family are the ones that do what I say, that do my will. And so we got to ask ourselves, are we being who we say we are? And this isn't about earning your salvation. Obedience, you know, I said this a couple weeks ago. Obedience is not the means of our salvation. It's the result of our salvation. It's the proof that we have a relationship with Jesus. And then in verses 15 through 16, he says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So he uses this term in verse 15. He says, no longer do I call you servants, right? Um, and when we look at this term for servant, it, it could also maybe your translation be bondservant or, or slave uh, as well. But, but a servant lived in total submission to the will of the master. Okay? So, so and, and when we think about that relationship, most often there was not a close relationship there. There wasn't this intimate, like, like friendship between uh, a servant and their master. Uh, in fact, uh, the servant would very rarely ever know like what the master's goals were or desires were or, or, or all of that. They were just told, you do this and obey it. Do it. I'm asking you to do it, you do it. See, when we look at Jesus, Jesus is what? Jesus is king. And he has the authority to demand our obedience, doesn't he? He has every right to say, do this. <laughs> but here's what's so beautiful about this. And this has been wrecking me all week. He doesn't treat us like servants. See, servants are given commands, but no explanations. So you just do it. Jesus invites us into his inner circle as friends. I mean, you look at that, it, 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 a, an even more exalted title than disciple. I mean, I want you to think about that because man, even when you hear the term Jesus follower and you're like, wow, like, and that's great and I get to follow him and there's something about that that it should excite you and that, that he called me into that, you know, but man, when you actually go a step further and go, man, he doesn't just ask me to follow him. He says, I wanna be your close friend. I wanna invite you not just to be a follower of me, but a friend. And this Greek word here, it means uh, literally a friend at court. And it describes uh, this, this, this inner circle that these kings and emperors back in those days would have. They would have their inner circle of friends. And this inner circle of friends, they would go to them. And a lot of times they'd live in the palace. And they would go to them even before their council, their advisors. They would go to that group. And, 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 and when you think of your own life, I don't know how many friends you have, but for a lot of us, there's, there's a very small number of like friends, right? The ones that literally know everything and you can say everything to them. You know, like, like, I, like I look at my list of like, I, I mean, those people in my life and it's like two people that like anything goes. They know everything about me. And when anything is happening, if, if I'm struggling in my life, if I'm struggling uh, in my marriage as, as a father, if I'm, if I'm struggling uh, as, a, as a pastor, I'm, I'm struggling um, mentally, emotionally, physically, all those things, man, like, like that's the person I pick up and we call and we talk and it's, it's like, it's intense, but it's honest, it's real, it's raw, and, and, it's, and it's what I need, right? And, and you think of some of those relationships that you have and how special they are and how they transcend circumstances, seasons of life, all these things. Those are your friends. And Jesus says, I'm inviting you into that inner circle. I'm not just saying, follow me and good luck with it. He says, no, I'm bringing you in. I'm bringing you in. It's so much greater than just following me. 
It's this special kind of intimate access that Jesus gives his friends. And as his friends, Jesus promised to share with his followers, he says what? All things that he's heard from the Father. Man, that's nice. He says, I'm going to share with you what the Father says. And and I love how uh, it it says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. It says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. As his friends, he has gifted you the mind of Christ. He says, I'm going to share with you. Everything that the, that the Father has. I'm, I'm going to share this with you. Now, now I don't know about you, but, but for me, when I hear that, I'm like, well, could you share a little more? Right? Like, could you share about next week? I mean, when, when I first got the call that, hey, we're going to be out of here, I'm like, hey, God, if you could just let us know next month where we're supposed to be, that'd be awesome. In fact, the next six would be great because Christmas is coming. And we do need to do church then. Right? Like, like, so, so I, I know that, that my requests are always like, hey, God, just a little bit more information would be awesome. But here's, here's the thing. He always gives us exactly enough for what we need. Every single time. And, and, and sometimes, yeah, sometimes he does. He's like, man, there's the next month. There's three months from now. There's a year from now. And you're just like, oh. But then there's other times where it's just for right now. It's just for the next step. It's just for tomorrow. And you have to rest and, and you can be reassured that that is enough because he promises, I'm going to deliver. If you follow me, if you, if you literally are in close proximity, if you're abiding in me, I'm gonna share with you all that the Father has for you and it will be enough. You will never be hung out to dry. You are in my inner circle, Jesus says. It'll be enough. It's always enough. And guys, every single time I've been frustrated that he hasn't delivered, he delivered in a miraculous way that was way better than my initial request. Every single time he does. And and sometimes I see it immediately, and sometimes I don't see it for years. But he's faithful. Have you ever thought about your relationship with Jesus like this? I know that for me, I get so caught up sometimes in following him and what that needs to look like. And I, and I just forget that, man, he wants a friendship with me. He wants a friendship with me. In verse 16, once again, Jesus, and let's just read that again. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Jesus reminds his disciples again, listen, you didn't choose me. Remember? Remember where you were at? I chose you. 
I chose you out of that. When you remember that, that should guard against this temptation to make something special of yourself, right? He's like, listen, guys, you're going to be tempted. They had already been arguing over who was the greatest. He's like, just a reminder, I chose you. I selected you. And then we see that he not only chose them and selected them, but he also appointed them for service. Now, the word translated appointed is a form of the Greek verb uh, tithemi, which here has the connotation of being set apart or ordained for special service. So he's not just saying, hey, I I selected you, um, I called you. He says, no, I've called you, but I have also set you aside for a special assignment. You've been ordained for a special and specific mission that I've called you out of this world, out of all these things, I've called you, I've gifted you to be able to pull that off. You guys, the Christian life is not a spectator sport. It's not. Um, Friday night, I was uh, watching my two oldest play soccer. And the league they're in, they play all the games on these different fields. It's in the same location. And, and it's cool. Some of, the, some, some of you guys have your kids in that league as well, and some are on the same teams. And having two that play at the same time is difficult. And so I go one, the, my, my middle child, to the first half. I watch his game. And then I walk over uh, halfway through and watch the second half of my oldest son's game. And as I walk over to my oldest son's game, I, I go over there. And when you walk, I'm, I'm trying to get like caught up, right? at what's going on, how he's doing, how their team's doing, you know, because they say, well, we don't keep score. <laughs> Dude, when anybody tells me, oh, we don't keep score, I'm like, I'm a pastor. You want to lie? Like, I mean, come on, you're not keeping score. So you walk up, and you're like, hey, what's the score? You know, like to another parent, right? And, and it was very quick that I figured out that, man, my boy's team was getting slaughtered. I mean, it was like they were getting crushed, and 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 I'm watching, and and uh, you know, and the other team has this has this has this kid. I don't know if he goes to our church. If he does, wow! But he he is like I don't know. He grew early, and and he just every time he got the ball, he just scored like every time. And it's like, all right, he needs a rest, obviously, you know, like you know, and and I mean, and it was just like it was literally like your head just went up. Oh, Again, uh, again, and, and, and I'm thinking already in my head of the pep talk in the car, right? Right? It's not about the score, but it's not about the score. <laughs> Listen, did you do your best? Like, you know, and you learn from this and, and, and all that. Cause I mean, they didn't, it was like zero. They didn't have any, like it, it was bad. And, and so I'm like, I'm playing out the conversation that I'm going to have to build them back up right uh, in the car. But you know what? As I was watching, I mean, my flesh kind of just took over for a minute. I didn't share any of the other people that go to our church. I didn't tell them about this but because they go to the church. But I, I, I was like, I want to even this up. They're pretty young. I think I could take them. <laughs> so, so in my mind, I'm like, I should go out there. And just, you know, even the score a little bit, right? Like, score a few times, then block. You know, they're little. Block these kids out and just kick it to my oldest. And then he's got an open goal. He can score. And everybody wins, okay? I wanted to just step in. But you know what, you guys? 
as a parent, and I know some of us get confused on this, I am a spectator, not a participant, right? That's my role, spectator. He's the participant. So as much as I maybe wanted to go in there and, and make a difference, that wasn't what my role was to do. You guys, as, as, as Jesus followers, he didn't hand select you, set you aside so that you could literally be a spectator and go, look, the world is going to hell. Everything is worse. Wow, look at this. Look at that. Man, oh, that's bad. They're getting crushed. We're getting crushed. Like, like I want you to think about it because that's how some of us are. We're, we're like me on the sideline and we're watching it happen. We're literally watching it happen from a distance. And we're like, man, our team's getting destroyed. See what happened there? Did you see what they did there? Did you see that new thing? Did you, oh my goodness, and this is coming and this is gonna happen here. And, and we're watching it and we're literally like, man, God, you must be so sad right now. This is hurting your name. This is hurting uh, the mission and all that. And so you're having all those feelings, but what are you doing? You're still on the sideline. You're still spectator. But you feel like you're involved in it, right? Because you're there, you're here, but you're not doing anything. You're, a partici- you're, you're, you're not participating. And, and, and you guys, that is the opposite of what he's commanded us to do, isn't it? Uh, in verse 16, what did he say? Um, but I chose you and appointed you that you should what? Go. That you should go and bear fruit. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. What does he say? Go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So you and I have been called, if we're a Jesus follower, we have been called to check into the game. We are no longer spectators. Now, what this means is the job that you may think has no significance, you may think it's just this thing that you, you're in right now, it's just this rut, or, or it's not the job I maybe want. Your job isn't just some job. Your school, wherever you're at, is not just some random school. Your roommates aren't just some random roommates. And your family isn't just some people you wake up to daily with or that you see at special holidays. It's so much more. It gives purpose. It gives mission to all of those relationships. It gives mission to to every moment of your day, to your mindset, to conversations. The reality, you have been set aside for a mission and you have been called to Go. And right now, we have way too many Christians who are spectators right now. We just do. They're great at seeing what's happening. Man, I was great at seeing what's happening. I picked up on it quick. We're getting killed. And I see a lot of Christians, they're like, man, did you see this? Do you know that? They're, they're, they're aware. They're informed. but we're just spectators. That's not what he's called us to be. That's not what he's called you to do. You feel the conviction, you feel the defeat, but you still won't check in. And you guys, here's what's scary. For some of us, it's been so long since we've been a participant that we're actually scared to go into the game now. See, we, we're the person that's been on that, that bench for so long now 
and we've been watching it. We've been seeing what's going on, and we're like, ooh, that looks ugly out there. That, that doesn't look like I can make much of a difference. That looks like it's going to overwhelm me. That looks like, uh, like I don't have a chance out there and all that. And so, and so we literally, we stay here, and we acknowledge it's bad out there. It's bad out there. But we're still here, and we're sitting, we're, we're sitting on the bench. And, and over a period of time, you get comfortable there in that spot. And so you've been there in that spot, identifying culture, but not like understanding that, no, you've actually been set aside to go into that. And so you're over here, and, and you're pointing it out. But over time, you now are sitting there hoping and praying that the coach doesn't say, get in there. You're literally like, if he asks you, you're like, uh, no, 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 I'm gonna stay here. Oh, coach, oh, my arm, it hurts. I can't, I can't go in there. I'll hurt the team. And we may laugh at that, you guys, but those are the very same things we say with God all the time. Oh, God, well, I'm in this season of life. God, this is going on, you know it, or God, this is like transitional period here, or this is, and you know, my job and all this, and, and, and all these things, and, and it's like you feel compelled to share with him things he already knows. He's like, yeah, I see that, but I've called you to go. Let's go. Get off that bench. You don't belong there. None of us belong there. He has set us aside. He said, set you aside. He called you. He said, I want you. Set you aside. He said, man, you're going to make a difference. You're going to make a difference. And, and don't wish you were part of a different culture or you were back in time. He called you, set you aside right now for this moment in time. And so you should be inspired by that. And you should literally be the annoying person that says, coach, have you forgotten? Put me in. I'm ready to go. That's who we should be. True disciples, he says, bear fruit. Matthew 7, 20, Jesus literally says, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. If Jesus has taken up residence inside of you, you will be different. You will act differently. You will love differently and you will live differently. And the difference isn't because of your strength or your ability to accomplish or your effort. The difference is because of his continued work in your heart and in your life. It's about being connected to the vine, abiding in him. And that's when things really start to happen. Jesus is alive. He's powerful and he's actively at work in his friends' lives. And then we see when, when, when believers proclaim the gospel, those who respond to it become the fruit that it talks about remains, the fruit that abides forever. And notice uh, how Jesus repeats that promise from verse 7 in, in, chapter six, in, in verse 16 when he said, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit abides so that, he says, whatever you ask the Father in my name he may give it to you. And so what he is doing here, he is linking and, and showing us this, this, this essential link between prayer and evangelism. Okay, so, so he's, he's literally talking about sharing, going, missional, uh, preaching the gospel, people responding to that, and that's the fruit uh, that, that never goes away. And he's saying, now you pray in that way. You pray for that. In Luke chapter 10, verse 2, uh, he says, And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Pray earnestly for that. In, in 2 Thessalonians 3.1, Paul says, Finally, brothers, pray for us. 
Pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. Are we praying for this? Are we praying for this? Guys, prayer isn't just for preparation. I feel like we're really great when when we know we're gonna be in need and we're like, God, prepare me for this. But man, prayer is so much more than that. It's empowerment, it's fulfillment. Uh, it, 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 It brings about an incredible response of God to accomplish his mission and his plan of spreading the gospel. And here's what's so awesome when I say this. Some of you right now, who are occupying a seat in this room or you're watching online right now, some of you are here or watching as the result of some other people's prayers. Other people prayed for you. I love that. Literally, some of you are here because someone else wouldn't stop praying for you. Other people have given up on you, but man, somebody just kept praying for you. And maybe you're like, man, like I've had a pretty good life. Well, you have no idea how much your parents prayed for you before you were here. You have no idea how much your parents parents continued to pray for you as you were just a little one, just growing up. And you have no idea the difference that that makes. And he says, you be crying out to me for that, for the mission to be accomplished. And and literally, some of you are are right now uh, sitting here because of those prayers. I'll never forget, I, I was awful for my parents. I mean, I don't know what kind of, they're gonna get another room in heaven because of me. I, I just know it. Uh, and I'll, I'll never forget, I've, and I've probably said this before, but, I, but <laughs> I've had some moments with my parents and just, hey, how was that for you guys? I kind of think I know. And, and one of the things that they, that they always go back to is just, we just prayed nonstop for you. That's all we did. That's all, that's all we could do. And, and I'll, I'll just never forget that. Because I firmly believe God interceded in my life because he was answering their prayers. And they never gave up. Guys, if you're praying for someone, don't give up. Don't give up on them. Keep praying. You have no idea what God's doing. He says to pray in accordance with the mission. You keep praying for them and look for opportunities because you are not a spectator. You are a participant, and he may just use you. He may just use this church. And guess what? The loudest display is going to be how we love each other. I want to close our time by just asking us a few questions. One, if you're a Jesus follower, are you sacrificially loving other Jesus followers? Not the ones that, that are like easy to love, right? The ones you're like, I'll sit with you. I'm talking about the ones that are more difficult to love. The next is this. Jesus says, you're my friend. You're my friend. I brought you in. I'm, I'm bringing you the full counsel of God. How would you, though, describe your friendship with Jesus? How would you describe it? And then when I ask you, are you a Jesus follower in this room? Are you a Jesus? Have you made that decision to surrender your life to him? If you haven't, man, I plead with you to make that decision. And maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe it's the result of prayer so that you would just hear, you need to accept this invitation to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. If you are a Jesus follower, which person are you? Are you a spectator? are you a participant? And when you participate, 
don't keep score. Are you hearing me? That's the other temptation. Is to, to, to go, well, it's not working. Uh, uh. No, you just go, God, I'm all in. I'm yours. You've called me. You've called me into this. And there's going to be days it feels like it's not working. There's going to be months. There may be years. But you just stay faithful, okay? Next week, we got baptisms. If you've never been baptized, I want to encourage you and challenge you to get baptized, okay? We're going to have that next week. But right now, let's just process what God has been speaking to us. And we're going to have this time of response. Let's pray.